This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And. Oh. <laughs> What is that? In this episode, we'll suck the blood right out of you. What have you written? Oh, I think I must have used the Renfield script. Well, that's strange. Yeah. In this episode, (laughs) we'll actually be talking about Elemental. We will. Pixar. Fab. Loved it. Anyway, won't spoil. (laughs) Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature. So, as always, do proceed with caution, listeners. But before that... Declan, dying to know what you've been watching. Declan, not King. Not King. Um, Telly. Telly. So, still can't recommend Hijack enough as soon as we finished recording, which we're recording on a Wednesday, which is a new episode comes out. I'm getting straight on that sofa and watching the latest episode. Um, we've also, I've also started over the weekend, which was the first weekend in, I don't know how long, where I didn't really have any solid plans that I decided to watch Silo, which is a Apple TV show again, all about people living in this silo thing. Like big a, a structure. Silo. Yeah. Mm. And they all don't really know why they're in there. And it's illegal to say I wanna go outside and as soon as you say you wanna go outside, they take you out and you have to clean the wind like the window that they're all looking out in. But then you die of the fumes, or do you? Because people start to think that the outside isn't what we they see on the camera. Right. So when someone dies, that's not that's not what's actually happening. So it's like this kind of they're all being duped. It's like authoritarianism, paranoid thriller, political, sci-fi kind of stuff, and I'm really enjoying Great. it. Great. I think I've already watched five out of ten over the weekend. Mm. And I think it's great. It's got Rebecca Ferguson in as the main character. Eesh, and she's year, having a good she? year. Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I have started watching Fast X, but I've not finished it. Mm. Um so I'll wait to comment on the next episode when hopefully I have finished it by. Um but all I'll know from the first hour, all I'll say from the first hour is it's as stupid as you would expect it to be. I wouldn't even know what I'd expect because I've only ever watched one Fast and Furious. Very silly, very, anything. very family. Very family. That's like the joke in Fast X that they're all his family. Then right. he's got to protect his family, family. at all costs. Yeah. Right. I see. We also went to see Insidious the Red Door, if you'd like to talk well, about that. Well, I was that. thinking maybe I would mention me tv first since you were on the topic of oh i just didn't see them on your list that was all well i've only just thought about them right um i've been watching buffy again still still so i've finished season six now um and i've noticed a bit of a pattern with buffy the first sort of third to a half of each season is a bit kind of weird like they all don't really know what is going on and then it kind of the story takes hold and it starts to make a bit more sense and becomes much more entertaining but it is consistently camp um is it like the american shows where they've got like 22 episodes a season they do have 22 episodes a season, which is why it's taken me about five years to watch the same when i watched the west wing that took me forever honestly it was well worth it though yeah it's nice one to have on while i'm doing the ironing 
Because you've seen it before, haven't you, as well? No. Oh, have you not? No. Oh, I thought you only ironed when you'd seen something, so you didn't have to give it your undivided attention. Well, I don't think Buffy really demands undivided attention, to be honest. Um, and I'm getting the gist. So. Okay. <laughs> So that, yeah. and then, yes, films. We did see Insidious the Red Door. Um, Which has done so well from its budget to its box office. Like, horrors obviously don't cost a lot to, to make. Mm-hmm. I think in America it's at 100 and something, a worldwide 100, which is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But nobody see For a franchise that everyone used to always discuss, I've not heard anyone within our friendship group kind of say, have you seen the new Insidious film? Well, a couple of people that I work with have seen it um, and generally gave it relatively good feedback. Good? Yeah. Uh, to which I I, th- I don't think I could hide the disgust on my face because they were like, oh, I take it you didn't like it then, Ned. <laughs> and I was like, mm, no, not really. No. To be honest, the only other Insidious film I've seen in the franchise was the first one. That was scary. And... I remember being scared during watching it, but then I was 16 maybe at the time. Uh, But I didn't think it was all that good after it finished. Oh, I right. So I liked the first one and the second one. And then this is kind of a direct sequel from the first two and kind of ignores the others that came after. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure I've seen them all. And I think they were quite diminishing returns anyway. Well... I like the concept of astral projection. I don't like anything about the Insidious franchise particularly. I just I think storyline... I saw what this was trying to do, but I just think its execution wasn't that that good. It was almost trying to be a bit like a legacy sequel, you know, bring the old cast back. I don't All know. that kind of stuff. The only character in the entire franchise that I care about is the woman. Is that old woman who is in this film for I think about forty-five seconds, um, and overall, I just think Insidious as a franchise, or at least this film, wasn't scary enough to justify how many jump scares were in it. Like, I was constantly on edge, but not because I was scared, just because I knew something was going to make me jump, and it just made the whole thing, like, not a fun experience. Yeah. Because it wasn't scary Jump enough. scares for the sake of... Ju- yeah, yeah, I wasn't scared. Because it, it wasn't scary, it overcompensated with jump scares, and there's only so many jump scares you can take before it stops being fun. And I know a horror, when a horror's not scary, when as soon as I go out the cinema, I'm not even thinking about it. Exactly. Like, a horror should stay with you, and when you come in on a dark night, you should be a bit scared in your you flat, should, but... You should struggle to sleep that night. Yeah. But no. But no. On the flip side... Flip I bit my cheek when I said that. Oh, poor cheek. So, don't take the piss. <laughs> I watched Blade Runner 2049. You did. Loved it. As good, if not better, as, than, as than the first one. Um, which is cool. Two hours 45. It's a long film. Long yeah. film. The first couple of hours hold their own as a brilliant sci-fi, like crime drama thriller thing and then it does it like out of nowhere just decides to tie in the original story and i loved it i think anna de Armas had her first she was so good in it in she the... popped up and i was like oh hello anna de Armas. is that the one that she's in the screen she's like the a pinky hologram. hologram thing yeah she's not in the screen though she's like a, a 3d hologram but she's quite big mm. Isn't she in the screen, in the LED screens at some point as well? Oh, yeah, but not as her character. Like, that's just the product that she is. Right. Uh, What are you doing? Just warm. Just showing a bit of shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But no, I remember liking it. I've only ever seen it once, actually. Um, I'd probably like to watch it again, but watch list is very long. Um, And... Yeah, I did like it. I liked Harrison Ford and I liked Ryan Gosling in it. Did you watch it on purpose because of Barbie coming out? Or... Well, no, because I watched um, the original one a few weeks ago. I thought, hmm, I want to find some time to watch this one. And then I was in the house on my own yesterday afternoon. So I put it on in the bath. You it was did. great. Perfect bath movie. 
Would have very liked, moody, isn't it? Yeah. Would have liked to have seen it on the cinema, I think. Yeah, it was good in the cinema. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you know what? My friend Jack once, well, our friend Jack once told me about this thing in movies where loads of movies use both orange and blue as colours, like in the colour palette. Yeah. And when I saw June 2049, I think it was not long after he... June 2049, Blade Runner. Oh, Blade Runner 2049, but it's because it's Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, When I saw it, I was actually like laughing to myself because it has the most like orange and blue kind of tones in it. Yeah. And I remember the poster was almost orange and blue and it was quite funny. So if you ever notice that in films, cinematographers and kind of directors like to use those colours quite a lot. It's because of how they make you feel. Is it? Yeah. But yeah, I really noticed Mm. it in that film. But I'm glad you liked it. I did. What's been going on in the news? Well, we've got big news. Okay. So the last episode and quite a few episodes now, we've talked about the Writers Guild strike. So the Actors, Screen Actors Guild have now gone on strike as well. And what was really interesting is the Oppenheimer premiere last week, they brought forward an hour expecting that this vote would go through to strike action. And the Oppenheimer cast had to up and go because they're not allowed to promote anything or attend anything during a strike. So, And we would never advocate somebody cross the picket lines. We wouldn't. And to be honest with you, it really feels like all of Hollywood is behind this strike especially some of the things that are coming out from the studios. There was a bad write-up that somebody put out about saying, we're just going to starve the writers and play like the long game and and once they start losing the houses, they'll start wanting to work again. It's not the siege of Troy. No, I know. But the residuals that some actors get, I couldn't actually believe how tiny it is. And there's thousands of actors that don't even earn enough to qualify for health insurance, which is a uniquely American problem. But obviously, I think it works out that if you're a British actor that goes and works in America, you're then also part of the Screen Actors Guild as well. Oh, is it? Is the Screen Actors Guild just an American thing? Well, yeah, but obviously a lot of things are produced in Hollywood, so it affects a lot. Well, yeah, I know. So depending on how long it's going to go on for... Um, there are talks that the autumn will be when both kind of get resolved at the same time. But, I mean, Comic-Con is started today when we record, well, San Diego Comic-Con, that is the big one. And pretty much all studios, all big studios aren't going there. They've cancelled a oh my God. June panel. They've cancelled a something else panel because... What's the point if you can't have any of the stars there? Does that mean it's about a year since we started this podcast? I think we're getting there, yeah. Because we did our we did a second episode, special, didn't I we? think, yeah. was the San Diego Comic-Con special. Yeah. Oh, we might have missed our birthday. Uh, Probably have. No one knows. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be, you know, I, I've said this before, but I feel really sorry for... for the industry and a more mean exhibitors and just the state of what's happening, but something definitely does need to change because in this world of streaming, people just aren't able to earn a proper living from acting and writing. Um, we have missed our birthday. Have we? Mm. When was it? 10th. Oh, damn. Um, so, who knows what's going to happen? I think all films that have got a release date for the rest of this year are pretty secure, although there has been talk that studios are thinking of delaying some films because it's really hard to release a film when you can't have any of the stars for press or and the press junkets and things. Mm. But solidarity with the strikers. I um, hope they get what they want and deserve and... I guess the big studios need to stop being so greedy. Well, if anything needs to end in this world, it's greed. Exactly. Well, what a time we've had, but now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. And what have we got this week, Ned? Oh, what a fun surprise. I forgot to check before we clicked record. This week, dear listeners, we have Wonka. We do. Shall we dive straight in to the chocolate pool? Uh, As usual, I'll pop the link to our trailer in the show notes if you would like to watch along with us and then come back and hear our reactions. Pause now. Hear our reactions. (laughs) Pause now. See you in a sec. We'll see you after the sparkles. 
Okay, so nobody asked for a Willy Wonka prequel, but I have positives, I think. Paul King, director of Paddington, is the director, and if he is on his Paddington and Paddington 2 streak, I expect good things. Mm -hmm. Timothy Chalamet looks to be having a good time. Yes. It's got a good supporting cast of Olivia Coleman, Keegan Michael. Key, I think he's called. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get a bit of Timothy Chalamet's um, personality through in this, which I'm not entirely convinced I've ever seen before. Yeah, quite a lot of his roles don't... Well, I know some of them have had... We've not seen Bones and all. True, Um, true, true. And overall, I would say this looks quite good. Um... You know, how Willie became Wonka. I am absolutely living for Hugh Grant's I don't give a fuck era that he's in with his roles at the minute. Well, what did we last see him in? Dungeons, Dungeons and, and Dragons. Dragons. And now he's playing an Oompa Loompa. And yeah. that bit did make me giggle a that little bit. Where... It's quite a funny bit in the trailer. Yeah. Um, Sally Hawkins, she's in there. He got Paul King got her over from Paddington. Yes. Um, and I actually think the release date of December seems quite good because it feels like a wholesome time of it's gonna Christmasy be a really type good movie. time to watch a family film yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, especially if things start to get a bit clunky out of Hollywood towards the latter end of the year. And what I thought was it what a little bit disappointed by is as far as I'm aware, this is a musical. Really? And we see some parts where there's singing and dancing but we don't get an idea of what kind of music yeah yeah i would not have watched that trailer and ever guessed it'd be a musical exactly but that might come with a second trailer at some point very true but overall i would probably give it a light treasure yeah i'd go for treasure yeah. Sounds nice and i want to watch it so it I mean, does the we job we watch most things don't we but yeah i know yeah. but like we have to decide whether the trailer is doing its job as a trailer, don't we? Not yeah. whether we think the film's going to be good. Yeah. And I think that this trailer adequately fits the brief, especially this far in advance. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Lovely treasure. Cool. That was quite quick, but we move. Um, and now for this, for this week's headline feature, Elemental, coming up right after this quick break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. So we've got Elemental, Disney Pixar's latest release. Do you want to synopsis us up? Yes, I shall wow you with a synopsis. I've written it and the middle sentence is really long, so do forgive me if I... (laughs) Punctuate it. Yeah, I'm going to try. So, Ember's parents moved to Element City before she was born. 
As some of the earliest fire people to migrate there, her father built a business serving traditional food and cultural items as the local community found a home in one corner of the city. Failure to maintain the city's infrastructure threatens the safety of her community, all while Ember embarks on a journey of self-discovery. I think that's pretty, pretty nice synopsis, to be honest. Yeah. Thank you. Initial thoughts then? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So did I. came out of the cinema crying. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I mean, a lot of Pixar releases went straight on Disney Plus during the pandemic. So I feel like I've not had that true pixar experience in the cinema but for me i remember being quite disappointed when turning red went straight to stream yeah because it's something about sat in the room and the way pixar films make you feel but for me like i totally loved the emotional core of it and the film and the themes and i just and i actually like kind of looked back which i'm not going to list now but i did look back at kind of pixar's filmography and i would probably say this is my favorite since coco yeah what Um, year was coco 2017 long time yeah six years so definitely like thinking soul better than soul i preferred it to turn in red preferred it to luca yeah like none of these are particularly bad films but i just thought this one was particularly good really strong and it was absolutely gorgeous oh my god it looked so nice and just the way like it you know it was quite stereotypical pixar animation like it looked like a pixar film but just some of the flourishes it had with with the different elements and even the way ember was drawn like uh, the way her embers on her on her head and the hair looked was just really really cool and i think it was perfect example of when pixar get their world building right like one thing that i think they did amazingly was the fire of the fire people burned a different colour depending on their emotion, which was so cool. Yeah. But I didn't really see much like that I don't think I noticed as fine attention to detail in the design of the other people. Yeah. And I'm not really sure what I would make the water people do or the earth people do. Yeah, and like the fire people. But like stood the fire out people really, really they? had like yeah, they were really top-notch design there. Yeah, I would say. And it was quite funny. Oh, my like, God, I had hilarious. quite a few little and some of the bits were really kind of you know, that they weren't purposely funny and I can't remember them now, but kind of in the in the shop that they have which is called the fireplace, if you kind of looked in the background at the frames that I don't know, their version of shredded wheat or whatever would be quite a funny pun. But then there were also bits that kind of properly made me laugh out loud. So um when Ember meets Wade's family, skipping ahead a little bit here, but we always go all over the place with these. Um and one of the one of the, her brothers one of Wade's brothers is a painter and he says I like to watercolour, or as we like to call it, colour, like this. <laughs> and that made me really giggle. Yeah. Um, when they go to see the, the like, Quidditch-type cyclone match, I think the two basketball, teams... basketball, isn't it? Yeah. I think the two teams were called <laughs> the Crop Dusters... And the Windbreakers. And the Windbreakers, which also made me giggle. Yes. Um, and was there any, like, there like was... when they catch the two Earth people pruning it's like of course it didn't quite land with me as well yeah i get that that was supposed to be like oh you just caught someone with their trousers down but i didn't quite get the (laughs) punchline no no but i just there was quite a lot of times where i i had a quite quite a good laugh throughout it which is which is nice so many subtle bits in the background where you know that's what makes me um happy that you know, you can still enjoy Pixar films as an adult because, like, obviously there's this very family, child-friendly main storyline that kids will probably watch and love. And then in there for all your adult friends are the kind of background details. In-jokes kind of But you're of never going to see as a child, but you watch it 10, 15 years later and you notice everything and suddenly it brings a whole new depth to the film um 
one of the main themes in this film is, it, I mean, it is pretty much an immigrant story, which I really liked, and I'm sure some of the right-wingers that have got out got it out for Disney at the minute will be like, oh, they've kind of segued this immigrant story into it. But I thought it was absolutely a beautiful way to tell it and to kind of talk about that immigrant struggle but in, it was a, really clear in a that, Disney way. Yeah, it was really clear that the creators had thought, like, we need to tell a story that is relevant to current times, that is family oriented and family friendly, and that is worth telling. And I think it hit all of those um, because, yeah, like as um, as it kind of sets up, they're an immigrant family. They arrive at Element City and can't speak local language. Mm. Um, they speak Fireish, which was another funny joke. Yeah, that Somebody was had funny. a T-shirt that said "Kiss, kiss me, I'm Fireish." Yeah, that was funny. Um, and they just met with this xenophobia, aren't they? From the from yeah, the start, constantly. yeah, constantly. And then, like, you think you've kind of it's sort of set the story in, up enough, and you sort of almost forgotten about this whole like um, quite difficult beginnings that they had in Element City. And then Ember tells Wade about that flower that she wants to see like it's like amazing and it can live in any environment even fire um but the museum it was in has since been flooded and when it was open uh nobody would let the fire people in and it literally like had a sign on the door that said no fire people yeah it Um, had a lot of kind of connotations to i don't know like almost quite explicit like well yeah like what what do you call before the 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 black rights in in America, uh, yeah, and it's be, be kind of before, and it was interesting to to see that, to be honest. And I I just think it was so clever. And I've seen a couple of bits online about you know some people like to write these opinions and and op eds after these films, which you know is is fine, fine. But have seen some people kind of talk about is it a bit problematic that the immigrants that the fire people are are almost treated as a problem um as if they're not good enough and i thought well that's how in well, quite a lot of societies that's they the would point. be like, treated the point so, is it is problematic but that's the portrayal of like how things have tended to go in quite a lot of cities particularly in europe and north america yeah and I love that they have they had this blue flame as well, which kind of represented the culture and heritage. Yeah. That no one really, like none of the other peoples, kind of quite understood. And and again, skipping ahead, but when it, when it floods and that's like the thing that they absolutely need to save in this shop, this blue flame, because it's part of their history. Well, I don't I know what that, that brought. Well. Made me think of like Native Americans and all their know. kind of heritage. You know, when they've got important. Um, symbols and things that well, I guess with anything, well, any but, family but I don't know why. That I think what I really liked of... about that feature of it, particularly at that like flooding bit, like I think the family, as heartbroken as they were to kind of be watching this flame almost go out from the flood, they kind of were sort of ready to accept that you know the most important thing is that all of them get out there safely and alive. Um, despite kind of maybe losing this flame but wade put so much effort in because he recognized just how important it was to them and i thought that that was a really nice like um way of him to show ember how important like every part of her is not just the bits that they kind of get each other on yeah it was just i just think it was just really quite nice i'd I'd, you know I loved kind of Ember and Wade's relationship throughout it and how it is quite a romantic Pixar film um, yeah. and their relationship is is a is a big part of it and I kind of liked all the other parallels of how Ember's dad called Bernie Lumen, which is a great character name. Yeah. Um, how he has so much hatred, especially for water. Oh my God, even how he got how... his name... What? When they arrived at Element City and the like passport control guy didn't get a word of what they said, so he just gave them two yeah. names. Yeah. Anglicised their Yeah. Uh, their names. But I liked how it was just really romantic and it was like kind of this forbidden love thing and how 
Bernie Lumen is, is because of how he's been trapped by fire in particular, but also the other populations has kind of become jaded and, and not accepting of, of yeah. others as well, which is kind of, it's like the perfect storm of you're yeah. xenophobic and horrible to me and then you become a bit chip on the shoulder and, and kind of reciprocate it back to people. Well, not in yeah. the same and it kind way, of, but... Because from the day that they arrive... Element City is quite obviously not designed for fire people. It's never been designed with fire people in mind or with any fire people having any kind of say in what goes on. So when they arrive, all of the infrastructure is made of like water, basically. Like you can't get around unless you go on like the tram, which runs on a canal. Yeah. Um, And it splashes water everywhere, all over the city, like whatever and all of the other elements are fine with that because they're like clouds and actual water people and plants who love water obviously (laughs) yeah um so it's very like by design it's everything is kind of overlooked the needs of fire people so it's no wonder that he becomes kind of jaded over that i'm sure you Um, kind of i mean i did had this kind of climate change parallels as well would you like me to explain why that came into my head? Go on. So the immigrant population is kind of put in a place that isn't suited to them and can be flooded easily. And I don't know if it's a bit of a reach, but it just reminded me of kind of where all like in European and American cities where we kind of sometimes make the immigrant populations go and also kind of within the world yeah kind of they're I in mean, places that are going to be affected by things i don't know it just yeah i think i get of... where you're getting at so i think that it's not so much that somebody was sitting in an office and decide well i don't know how that reflects in truth but in this film they weren't put in a place that wasn't designed for them they just couldn't find anywhere to live and settled in a place that was a bit derelict because nobody stopped them settling there. Then they kind of set up their own community. Um, More and more fire people came to the city and found solace in this little corner of Element City that, although a bit run down and not very well looked after, was very, it was very full of love and a lot of like homely features and stuff. And it was um, very much a case of like a community on the margins making a place for themselves in Element City because that's what they saw as kind of the um, beacon of opportunity, I guess. Yeah. Um, Another thing... Well, obviously, like, because Element City itself had kind of forgotten about this derelict corner of the area before even the fire people moved there... None of the infrastructure had really been looked after. It wasn't very well maintained. And that kind of shapes like a a core kind of plot point of the film is that one of these canals is leaking leaking, and um, nobody can work out where the leak is coming from. And it turns out it's this place where, you know, if this gate kind of, if the leak turns into a burst then it's going to cause a flood and a flood hitting Firetown would be more disastrous than a flood hitting maybe some other parts of the city, which accurately reflects the state of play for many cities in the world. In the world. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the other main themes was kind of living up to the expectations of your parents. So um, uh, Ember's dad kind of wants her to take over the store um but she has to kind of control these anger problems that she has and as the film kind of goes on and and Wade discovers a a bit more about her they kind of say that he kind of says you've got these anger problems because you feel you feel trapped you don't really want to take over the store um I think he's less on the nose than that though isn't he he's like um your temper is your body telling you something that you're not ready to hear yet. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out what she's not ready to hear is that she doesn't want to take over a dad's store. She wants to be 
She's got a like, designer. She's got a natural creative flair. Yeah. That is just bursting out of her. And I thought that was really nice. Like when, when it starts to kind of get into this and we kind of understand a bit more about Bernie Ember, uh, Bernie Lumen kind of leaving the place that he's from to find a better life for his family. And part of their culture is that they kind of bow towards one another. And as Bernie Lumen was leaving, he, he bowed to his father expecting his father to kind of bow back and say like as a as a kind right. of a bowing giving, of approval but he didn't he didn't bow back so yeah. when that that's mentioned and that flashback is shown I, I thought I was like I reckon by the end of the film we're gonna see Ember bow to Bernie her dad and then he'll bow back mm. and lo and behold that's what we get mm. and that was the real kind of to me you know when we've talked about where little seeds are sown throughout films and then later on yeah. it was really for me quite well written in the script to yeah, have I love that. that but all of the themes kind of really well they wove, like, to, the, wove the, together the, fantastically yeah, they did yeah and i think the more i actually talk about it and we'll get to star rating later but i actually think i don't think it's a five-star film um but i think it could I, i'm pushing more and more towards that because it's it's a really yeah i just really really enjoyed it i thought yeah it's not a pixar film that's for everyone i wouldn't say i don't know well it's definitely not for like small small kids because there's quite a lot of it's not flashy apart from the bits where you get to see the world at the beginning i feel like anybody of like primary school age upwards would probably be able to enjoy elemental like, do you know what else i did like as well what how her mum knew that she was in love because she was like, I can smell it on you, I can smell it on you. And yeah, then she found those... because she's a bit of like a fortune teller, isn't she? And she'd found those pictures of when they were on a date and they'd been in a photo booth, but because yeah. Ember is a flame, and obviously, as we say, this world isn't built for flames, when the camera's <gasps> gone off... It oh, like... my God, I just noticed that as you said it. What? So, I... Don't think I'm making this up. When phone cameras are used, like, in dark surroundings, people with darker skin only ever show up as, like, eyes and teeth. Yeah. Because the, cameras aren't, that, haven't been designed. But there is advert? a new phone. There is a new phone. And it's got that... I think it's a Google Pixel Yeah, one, but what's she called? Got, she does um, the adverts. All you can see is me teeth, normally. Yeah. 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 Um. So that's a... Oh, it's even featured in that. But like, even you know, like yeah, they took a picture and she can't tell who's the who's in the picture because Ember's light is reflected, and then obviously water <laughs> reflects. Yeah. So, um, I did like how they played around with a lot of the the fire bits and the and the water and how when they went to Wade's apartment, like oh, we've got my little brothers are in here, but they were just in this pool of. Water I like that they were and called like... Marco and Polo. <laughs> oh, were they? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that also... was really fun, actually, when she went to visit Wade's family for the first time. Um, they're obviously, like, quite well off. Yeah. Um, and it was... It was like, you could tell that being surrounded by so much kind of privilege, she obviously didn't instantly feel at home, particularly yeah. being a fire person in a room that was made of water um so it was like very explicit like you're not designed to fit in this space but they were all yeah, so what did welcoming she have to sit on her. so she wasn't in the water like she like, sat on something well wasn't they had she? an inflatable chair but obviously they had to put a cover over it so that she didn't melt through it and burst it and stuff. oh yeah um but i can't quite remember that detail yeah um but they were all so welcoming of her like they're obviously a very privileged family, very non-judgmental, all just trying to kind of get along. A couple of them asked questions that I'm sure were designed to sound rather like the questions that many white people will ask people of colour um, if they're not entirely you know, up on the best ways to This is a total, speak. total divert, right? Mm -hmm. But I had an experience recently... That stuck in my mind and it mortified me. So at work we had an event and this lady came and I could tell she had kind of like a Eastern European accent. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool. 
she even had like a little Ukrainian flag yeah. pin on her lapel. Yeah. And it does it does go with this theme, don't worry. Okay. And I was at the front desk kind of signing, asking what her name was, asking where she was from. And when I said, oh, where are you from? She went, she went, oh, what do you mean country? And I was like, absolutely mortified. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, where you work. <laughs> like, where, what business are you from? And I, and I thought, you know, that's what that's reminding me of. That, you know, like when people go, oh, but where are you really from? Yeah. But there could be like second generation British. Or, yeah. And I always find that a bit interesting because I want to know where someone's heritage is from yeah, because it's not I your find business that... unless they tell you, you know i know I mean? but i find but it only because i find it interesting yeah. i want to know about different cultures like oh Fine. you know if someone said to me oh my parents came over on from in the windrush generation i'd love to know that story and i guess yeah they have to want to tell me that but yeah. i guess i'm probably not horrible racist and asking it in a well, I think in the instance way. that you asked somebody with an accent where they were from, that's a perfectly harmless question. I know, in but context, you can imagine, like, if you if that had but happened what, to you, that well, would play on your mind as well. My point is, often perfectly harmless questions are only harmless given certain contexts. So sometimes it does take a bit of thought to make sure you say the right thing. Wherever you are, I know. And but that's what I was like. She was like, "What like... do you mean?" Where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you think I understand why you think I'm asking that, but I am wholeheartedly not asking you where you're from. I want to know where you work." Um, so, yeah. and she was like, "I think she said something like, oh, I get asked it all the time.'" And I thought, "Oh, that's quite sad." But well, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, sorry for that bit of a segue. But um, towards the end of the film. We kind of get lulled into a sense that Wade might have, having saved the blue flame in the back of the shop mm. from the water, mm. might have evaporated and died. And she confesses the love for him when she thinks he's gone. Then turns out this little voice comes and he's evaporated and he's just up in the bricks in the in, he's the, in, the, in chimney, the room, isn't he? And he and he condenses and falls back into the bucket and he's there again and. They're in love, which I just thought was really cute and very Pixar to kind of lull you into this sense of, yeah. oh God, something's going to happen. Very Toy Story 3 when you think all of the toys are going to burn in that yeah. incinerator. But yeah, then, oh, that. turns out it is a Disney film, so we're not going to have... Although... Well, it made me cry anyway. Yeah. Not just for that reason, but for like multiple layers, I think. I was just like... <laughs> so, as well, you know, we're a gay podcast. We like to talk about queer stuff. Not the most particularly queer film. Very coming of age, though. Very coming of age, but apparently this film features, and this feels like a bit of a reach, but this is actually what they've said. It features Pixar's first non-binary character, which I feel like I clocked a non-binary character. Apparently, in it's there. one of Wade's brothers. Yeah, and I think siblings. Siblings, sorry. Yeah, it's quite easy to do when your characters are all elements where gender doesn't really... I mean, it never really matters, but it certainly doesn't matter when things are a cloud or a droplet of water. But then I thought, no, kind of, don't be so cynical. They Like, Pixar tell these kind of stories, so if they're going to want to try to get some kind of representation in there, there this is what it's probably going to look like in a Disney Pixar film. There are two sides to that coin, though, aren't there? Because, obviously... um, in the same way that when people were kicking off that Halle Bailey was cast as Little Mermaid, other people were like, um, hello, it's a mermaid. Like, they don't actually exist. What is, you know, race when it comes to mermaids? Same argument could be made for gender when it comes for comes to water. Um, but also, Pixar... T- tells its stories in many non-human ways mm. a lot of the time and in order to get representation into their storylines they're gonna have to find a way that fits naturally in the stories that they're telling yeah you know what i mean yeah. so like both things are right and both things are opposing truths yeah um i will say as well great voice cast and it was very much kind of a film where you're not looking out for, oh, I recognise that voice because the actors that have gone from kind of 
live action to i think a lot of these actors were kind of primarily voice actors there are a the only that one I that i kind of spotted was um catherine o'hara who was wade's mum but she's quite a good voice actor anyway she's got one of those voices but who i was, was very much Gale? very much impressed by um kind of wendy mcclendon corvey who's that Oh, it's that one out of Barb and Star where she goes, I've oh, been yeah. to and yeah. she's all got a... And she's also in Bridesmaids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, But other than that, I was kind of just like, oh, letting voice actors just be really good voice actors. Mm. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yes. I, I didn't recognise Ember's voice well. at all. Apparently she Leah is... Lewis. American, born in China. Great. Um, um, no, I don't recognise anyone else, really. No, which is fine, because it shouldn't really be about... Well, no. Or um, Chris... Oh, oh Captain could America have been called? Valentina Romani as well. Apparently there's two people with Ember Lumen's name there. Oh. Don't know. Um, I was going to say something then, though. Mamadou Athi. I don't see... I don't... Oh, I do recognise him, actually. From Jurassic World Dominion, but yeah, not like who was so, the guy who played Buzz Lightyear in Lightyear? Chris. I love the way you say Lightyear. 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 Buzz. It was one of the Chris's. I don't know. What Chris Evans? Like all I could hear was, "Oh my God, it's Captain America." So I'm saying this film didn't yes. kind of detract from the plot by listening yes. to voices that you heard. Yes. Okay. Back to the storyline. Um. I really, really liked <laughs> how they did. You know, when Ember and Wade kind of realise they've got feelings for each other. And, like, logic would say, water and fire, like, fair enough, they could probably be pals, but, like, how are they ever going to have a, a loving relationship or any kind of intimacy? <gasps> Intimacy and a like closeness. Outfit. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, don't make it dirty. <laughs> um, and then when they put their hands together and like the camera like zoomed in and it was the 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 sizzle of the steam and it was just it was amazing and it made me like remember how it felt. You know, like when you're a teenager and you just sort of start um, like kissing people and holding people's hands and stuff. And you get all like tingly and fuzzy and like hormone it excited. Was like a... It very much felt like fantastic visual representation of that feeling. It was quite was nice as well because obviously they realised that that they actually won't hurt each other by yeah. by being close. And and I think maybe you could, if you wanted to draw some sort of um, queer theme from that. Um, it was a kind of like realising that forbidden love actually doesn't have to be forbidden and can work in the real world type yeah. thing I'm getting at. You know We're I mean? reaching. But, We're reaching, but you it's know, there. That's what this podcast is If you're looking for, for it, yeah. it's there. I will say as well, fantastic score. I've actually listened to it at work when, mm. I've, when I don't really want words, when I'm concentrating, mm. and it was a really nice score. And there's a oh. song in it as well, which was quite... Oh, quite know. cute. Um, steal the show. If I put it on now, which I can't because we might get the royalty strike. Right. Um, I would. You would instantly recognise it, but yes. it's it's okay. It's very nice, and it's played during Ember and Wade's first day as well as the end credits. Yeah. Um, the score is by Thomas Newman, who has also done. Finding Nemo, yeah. Wally, Finding Dory, um, and then outside of Pixar is also done 1917 recently, uh, Bridge of Spies, Spectre. So he's a very well known film composer, but I really, really, really liked it. I thought it was a great score. Oh. Well, it was, I haven't actually had a film in a while where I've come out and said that was a really good score. Couldn't I feel remember like the I last did time. the other day, but maybe I'm just remembering Elemental. Like I couldn't, I, I, I don't know. Let me just. What we've seen at the cinema recently, um, I can't, I can't think of. What did we see on the IMAX? Actually, Asteroid week? City had quite a good score. It did. That was my maybe the one. What and did we see on the IMAX last Mission week? Mission Impossible, which oh. I mean, they have decent scores, have but it's very score. like much of a muchness. Yeah. 
um mm, but no it was the first remember. time in a while i was like oh that was i really you know i was listening to that music a lot throughout the film and it yeah. really it really added value it to did. the experience yes. let's uh um, are you all done on your notes yet or have you got a bit more i've got one more note and then the million dollar question star rating and gaydar no pre that um okay. so my one more note is just how kind of as the story tells itself you realize that element city could really benefit from the kind of skills and knowledge and I don't know, experience that fire people have. For example, when Ember meets Wade's mum, who has a friend at some renowned architecture design thing, um, and Wade's like, oh, Ember's got this really cool, like, design streak in her. Look at this amazing thing she made. And it's like a piece of glass artwork. And then... um, Ember kind of brushes her artistic flair off as some sort of useless skill because, you know, it's not anything to do with what her future prospects are. But then her mum's like, actually, look around you. This entire city's made of blown glass and you just made this out of blown glass. Like, think of the potential. Like, oh, my God, these are the skills that this city really could do with. And then another bit, when they sort of do the temporary fix for that dam that's going to burst... and Gail's like, um, let me go inspect it. If it's fine, I'll, you know, I'll void those tickets that your dad's business has and save that, whatever. And she's like, what do you mean you fixed it with glass and then realized it's tempered glass? So mm. I assume they have no means of access to tempered glass without fire people. So it was just kind of nice nods to, you know, reflect that diversity in skill and diversity in interest and diversity in people is really what helps make it's beneficial for society beneficial yes yeah it was yeah was the the final point i, I like that thank you and you i you know quite often i'll sit in a film mm. and we don't talk during films we might have a little laugh and a look towards each other but i just knew you were loving this film oh my god i was i was watching it with a grin on my face for a lot of it and yeah. then the odd joke would make me absolutely pissed myself laughing yeah we looked at each other when that color uh, yeah. watercolor joke and went. then when the lights came on at the end and you em and josh looked at me i was I like i can't speak right now because if i if i like try and say a word i'll probably just sob so i had to hold myself for a minute <laughs> you're cute <laughs> it was just really cute i love it yeah. what was your million dollar question uh if you were a citizen of element city which element would you be Air. Because you're gassy. (laughs) No. I just think my head's up in the clouds sometimes with, like, big ideas and and a bit floaty. Yeah. What about you? I think Earth. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because I've always had this kind of weird background instinct that my natural habitat is woodland. Yeah, so one of Ned's, Ned and I's first dates, our first proper date, I took you to a... (laughs) Took you to a woodland. Um, Otley Shevin, for yeah. those of you in the know. And because he said, to, one of the first things he told me was how, you know, he loves the woods and he feels at home in that. So I guess that's good. We're doing the West Highland Way next. Very Yeah, exciting. so you must be. And you said it on the podcast, so you can't back so, out now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Camping. Great. Um, star rating. Uh, what did I give it? Five, absolutely. I gave it four. I don't think it's a five-star film, but I think the more I talk about it, I could potentially potentially push up to a four and a half. Uh, yeah, I think I give fives differently to how you do, which you we've do. obviously established at this point. Um, which is fine. But as far as I'm concerned, Pixar swung and hit the target whatever that that uh, metaphor is. They got it. Um, What's next? With Pixar, actually. I don't Sorry, know. keep talking. They wrote a story, told it well, animated it beautifully, have a brilliant score, and it made me cry at the end. What more do you want from a film? Yeah, you know what I, I guess mean? so. Like, there's no reason not to give it five stars as far as I'm concerned. And so I did. And what about 
The gaydar then, what, what's the gaydar telling us? <sighs> Let's just find out, shall we? <laughs> there we go, just to play with the Oh, Oh, sorry, while dials. you play with the buttons, can I just highlight yeah, something? Yeah, absolutely. So, people have got it out for Disney at the minute in America, saying that the two walk and they're, they're enjoying it fail, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, Elemental opened quite low box office but it's actually got incredible legs as they call it in there and started really low it's a 200 million pound budget yeah i think it's currently on now about 320 and what do they like it to do one and a half times two and a half two and a half so but the people are saying it probably will finish on about 500 and something million, which is great because, well, well, one thing, you've got the summer holidays and this will play all summer for, for people to take the kids to see, yeah. which is great. Yeah. But what I love to see is almost a bit of a rebuilding of the Pixar image on, on, the, on the big screen. On the big screen. Because I really do not want Pixar films to go straight to streaming no. yes you could watch this film on streaming but seeing the colors and the, the 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 amazing animation is way better on the big screen absolutely so and they have kind of leaned in saying oh well we're going to fix it by doing inside out 2 and we're going to do another toy story film and another zootopia film which is fine I'm like, yeah but... i get that but we love original content we don't well, the next need reboots absolutely everything is out in march and i think i've seen the trailer we might have done it on trailer trash or treasure called that? elio elio uh yeah we did yeah it's like a bit sci-fi but there is When's a wish out is that well pixar? wish is disney not pixar and yeah. um, wishes out around thanksgiving November with Ariana for, DeVos for those of us who aren't doing American. the thing one more time. Is she? Yeah. Fab. Okay. Sorry, what was the uh, Gaydar? Gaydar has, has come up with its reading, and I think I agree. Okay. Uh, gayer than Swiss Army Man, but not quite as gay as Renfield. See, Renfield keeps coming up as being, like, comparing... And I don't Maybe remember Renfield, Renfield being in the wrong a bit gay. Like Dracula, I don't. I know you know it's a bit. I don't know camp and stuff. What's after Renfield? What's higher than that? Asteroid City. See, I would put Elemental then between Renfield and Asteroid City. Okay, that's fine. I disagree with the Gaydar today. Well, the Gaydar does still need calibrating. We're only a few films in, so. So yeah, for those who don't, a bit of a. What we've decided to do is almost, and I won't use the reference that Ned doesn't like me to reference, but Don't every film we're going to kind of put on a ranking throughout the year with, with kind of more least queer to most queer. Um, and that's where it kind of lands it. What's at the top at the minute? Who's the top and who's the bottom? Scream 6. Who's the bottom? Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. Fair. So that's where we're at, and we're going to probably reset it at the start of every year because it would start getting a bit unruly, but... No, I think we can... Well, we'll see. We'll see. Grow it. Is that everything? Yes. Over to you then, King. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at gazeonfilmpod. And check out our letterboxed accounts. The links to those are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do oh, feel yeah. free especially to drop on this us one. a message. Yeah. Especially on this one. Yeah. I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has <gasps> been... No, we should have said, I have been Earth, and I have been Air, and this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.